Welcome to Next in Ed. I'm Joe. And I'm Julie. And Julie, we have got the coolest guest today. This guy is... How cool is he? He's so cool that he is on the cutting edge, I think, of of what's going on with educational technologies. Oh, really? So for me, you know that my background, I'm... Tech geek. I'm, I'm a... Yeah, I'm kind of a tech <laughs> geek, but... And also a, a big focus for me is on educational technologies exactly. and, and teaching that to future col- uh, teachers through mm-hmm. the college. But also in in my field, I also have to really kind of keep my eye on, on what's coming down the line. And Correct. Fortunate, uh, fortunately, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Vince Jordan, and he has an amazing story about virtual reality. Oh. And so today, we're going to dive into the world of virtual reality. I'm excited about that. And I think that in so many ways, this is a big part of what is next in Ed. And so I'm looking, really looking forward to talking to Vince about how he got into this and where this is going mm-hmm. and, and what he sees when he looks into his crystal ball. So Great. Uh, we have uh, today with us through Zoom, we have Vince Jordan. And Vince, it's so good to have you with us today. Yeah, hi, Vince. Oh, Julie. Hello, Joe. Good to see you guys. Joe, good to be back with you again. Absolutely. Um, yeah, looking forward to today. So if you don't mind, uh, will you tell us a little bit about how you got into virtual reality? Because I, I think some people may be surprised to learn just how long you've been doing this. Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, um, I'm a forever geek, tech geek. Both my parents <laughs> were in data processing. My dad actually worked at uh, Fermilab in Batavia, Illinois. So that was the largest uh, particle accelerator in the world until um, CERN was built. That's where I grew up. Wow. Was playing around particle accelerators and things like that. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> a little crazy. Yeah. Um, and so fell in love with computing. The, the computer lab at that place was two full floors of a high rise. I, it was like growing up on the bridge of the Starship Enterprise. So <laughs> my, you know, my direction in life was set early on. I was, I was going to be in data processing and computers. It just, you know, Eugene's, yeah. Um, so mainframes, mini computers, microcomputers, you know, um, went through through all of that, and was working in Houston, Texas, and my uh, uncle was working at NASA. So this was in 1987, and he calls me up one day and he says, "You got to come down to the lab. I got to show you something." And if he's telling me to come down to the lab and he's got to show me something, it's going to be cool, right? You got to go. <laughs> yeah. This is just, this is NASA. All they do is cool. <laughs> yeah. True. So I head down there. He takes me into the lab and he's got this thing suspended from the ceiling. And I'm like, okay, what is it? He goes, it's a virtual reality headset. And I'm like, say what? What is that? And oh, no. Right? And so... You, you didn't actually kind of put it on like you do headsets today. You stood up into it, and he strapped me all in, and then he put things over my eyes. And when he was all done, it looked like I was hooked up to a medieval torture device. <laughs> and, and, in fact, it pretty much was. Uh, it just made you sick. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can imagine. But it was so cool. I knew it was going to be fantastic. 
And so I just kept tracking the progression of VR development all the way from 87 up until, um, and, I, and of course, I turned my son into an Uber geek as well. He had his first computer when he was five years old. So nice. he started tracking with me when he was old enough to be tracking with me. And around 2011, Oculus, um, which then was a Kickstarter company, um, released what they called the Developer Kit 1. And so we bought a pair of those headsets, started experimenting with them. I would never put anybody I liked in one of these headsets because if, if you turned your head even like this, you're going to lose it. Like one the, way or the other? Like just yep. like yeah. you would lose Turn like nausea-wise? Is yes. that what you're talking about? <laughs> so it was almost as bad as being in 1987. So it was in almost, the almost as bad. Yes, yeah. I couldn't do that. Yeah, it was frame rates were off. You would get jitter. And because the world is so immersive, if this world starts jittering on you, you're in trouble and your whole physiology Mm -hmm. just gets really unhappy. So it it was really fun to watch Josiah and I work with it because our heads would be like moving like this, you know, to look around just really slow, like we're pivoting on a tripod or something. Um, And then in 2012-ish, the DK2 came out and that's when we started experimenting with normal human beings as opposed (laughs) to just ourselves being abnormal human beings. And it worked. I mean, it wasn't great still, but it was working. And in 2016 is when the commercial, the first commercial version of the Oculus Rift came out, the HTC Vive came out, Um, You know, Google Cardboard and others have been around, and I want to suggest to everybody to never strap a phone to your face. It's just a bad idea. You you have the issues that we had early on. um, As far as turning your head? Yes, by Mm -hmm. turning your head. Yeah, it's just, you know, when if that jitter happens, it just throws you off something fierce. It's, It's amazing how negatively impactful it is Mm. and and you know people take these headsets off that have phones strapped them and go oh that's vr and i'm like no 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 so they're not getting an accurate experience that they could get otherwise with some exactly Mm -hmm. exactly i mean since josiah my son and i started lobaki in 2016 we've been keeping track and we've put about twenty-eight thousand people in virtual reality since then so what is lobaki and I'm sorry, I have to stop you for, a, is, for a minute. I don't know what Lobaki is. What is Lobaki? <laughs> Joe, should I tell him what Lobaki is? I, I think you probably should. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I probably should. So so Josiah and I, my son, uh, started Lobaki in 2016. And it is when we started it, we were a virtual reality development company. And so production studio, we're going to build VR experiences for this brand new technology and help introduce it to the world. Um, On the way to the grocery store, I took a right when I should have taken a left. And we ended up being a VR education company as well as a uh, development studio. Okay. So Lobaki has, yeah, two different missions right now. One is we do production development for education, healthcare, industry. Um, But 
what we've been doing um, primarily is working with K through 12 community colleges and universities. I, I, I want to say throughout the South and the middle of the country, but yeah, I have to include Utah and Oklahoma mm -hmm. as well. I guess that's kind of Southern-ish. I don't know. Um, um, and, and what we've been stretch. doing. <laughs> yeah, that's a stretch. <laughs> I, I, it, it depends on how I turn the map. I yeah. Guess, you know, if I just, you know, right. Um, so anyway, we've been working with these education institutions to help them um, set up VR labs and utilize those VR labs in kind of a dual purpose mode. One mode is helping educators understand how to use a variety of VR experiences to enhance their curriculum in whatever subject area they're teaching. And then the other one is we recognized real early on, and still today this is true, some three, four years later, there's not near enough people who know how to develop for virtual reality to really help this technology take off. It's, it's that old hardware software thing. You know, mm -hmm. you've got to have the hardware to do the software, but you've got to have the software to make the hardware viable and right. chicken and egg. And, mm -hmm. and um, so we created a curriculum to teach. Um, I, I, I always say young people. Um, the youngest person we've ever had in a VR academy was 12. The oldest was 60. So that's my range for young people. Um, <laughs> how, to become, to how to become VR developers. And, and so it's this combination of applying VR in the classroom, so to speak, um, or in the lab, in a classroom setting, and then learning how to develop virtual reality um, experiences as well. Oh, how exciting. It, it sounds to me like you were introduced to this idea of virtual reality in 1987. So you kind of saw the possibilities maybe, maybe in doing that, it made you sick and it, you knew it wasn't great, but, but it sparked something. Mm -hmm. And then it, it sounds like you, you just kind of waited and kept your eye on the ball over the years because the technology had to develop to a point, I, I'm guessing where you were able to say, okay, now this is something viable that we could actually build a company around and, and move forward with. Is that, does that sound close? That, that is a very good summary, Joe. I mean, it was, you know, there's no way this was going to work. If every time I put somebody in a headset, I made them sick. Right. <laughs> Just, so the idea right. was ahead of the technology and, and yes. the vision, which is how really things should be. The vision is ahead of the technology and the, the technology catch it, up to the idea. Yep. Yeah, because what, what I saw was a way to bring imagination to life with VR. When, when you're in a proper VR headset and in a proper VR experience, you are transported to anywhere in the universe or in the molecular structure of the universe wow. or wherever I want to take you. And you have this amazing experience that is oddly physical at the same time, mental as the same time, imaginative, and it's fantastic. And when you think about it in terms of applying it in the education realm, you know, we have visual learners, which is likely 
you know, the bulk of us, then we have people who learn from reading, but everybody is an experiential learner. And in VR, that's what's happening Mm -hmm. is you're having an experience. You're not necessarily watching something or listening to something, but you're in something experiencing. Mm -hmm something. Well, and, and that makes all the difference. I, I don't know if I'm going off track here, but thinking as a classroom teacher myself, and, and mm. I can tell you that I have, I don't think I've had that virtual reality experience that you're saying. I don't think I've had that myself. But to think about students who um, do not have the availability to, you know, they don't get to travel, they don't get out of their own rural area or urban area, or just have the opportunities that if they could see these type of things I mean what an experience what an eye-opening and inspiring thing for them to get to do right Julie I mean you you are right on there's there's um Google Earth early on created Google Earth mm-hmm. VR and so all the labs have Google Earth VR in them and we're dealing with kids in Mississippi in southern mm-hmm. Illinois Tennessee some of them not been out of their town right much right much less any place else. And the teachers, depending on what they're teaching, I, I've, I've had teachers talk to me and go, you know, we were teaching geography and we got to the uh, Great Wall of China, which you wouldn't want to go to China today anyway. But what she would do is take them into the VR lab, put them in a headset, and they would go on a virtual field trip. I had a literature teacher who was teaching, who had her class reading The Hobbit, and she said, are there any VR experiences around Tolkien? And we went and looked and said, no, there isn't. She got the brilliant idea to take her kids into the VR lab, put them in a headset, and they went on a field trip to Scotland where Tolkien grew up and got the inspiration for the Shire. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. It is brilliant. And I just think I worked with some students in a county north of us. um, It's probably about 50 miles north. And one of the geography questions, maybe on a test, was about a beach. And mm-hmm. they are an hour and a half away from the Gulf of Mexico. And never they had no idea what a beach was like. I mean, wow. just that small, uh, that is a big difference. Sure. And, and to think that they're, you know, in the big scheme of things, they're that close to the beach, but they never get to have that Right, that experience. And, and all the learning and, and that can take place there. Because I, I think maybe one thing that people who have never experienced virtual reality don't, aren't aware of is just how immersive it is. So when you put on the headset and the way that the, the headsets are today, you're not really aware of anything that's going on outside of that headset. You are captured inside this world and you can spin all the way around and see everything in 360 degrees. There's little uh, speakers. So you're hearing yep. what's happening inside there. And then even uh, the ones that have the the hand, um, I don't the know, controllers, the controllers. Yeah. Thank you. Have the controllers. You're able to manipulate things within that world, and so it really is immersive. and And I was kind of comparing it, uh, thinking about years ago when I was working on my my doctorate. Uh, one of our professors had us do some things with Second Life, and yeah. and I think that. The idea behind Second Life is is really neat. It's that idea of being immersed in a different world where you, you create your own character and you can go into these new worlds and do things. But for me, it wasn't that great because it was all on my computer. It was not an immersive experience, and it was very glitchy. Right. 
And I think that's part of what you were talking about. You really had to wait for the technology to catch up to your idea and the potential that you knew was there. It just, the hardware wasn't there yet. And once you saw that, you're able to jump into it. So what I love about your story is that you're now creating content for the classroom and for educators, and they can have those kinds of experiences. Um, Would you mind talking about how things changed when the pandemic hit? Because I know in my conversations with you, you were on a trajectory with your business and then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden you have people reaching out to you for things and it created this whirlwind of innovation for you. Would you mind talking about, about that a little bit? Yeah, you bet. So, um, so, you know, at the beginning of this year, we had set up, um, VR labs in, um, 24, uh, schools, K through 12 community colleges and universities in seven states. And at the beginning of the year, we already had quotes in the hands of another 10 schools across the country. Um, so I'm really, you know, was excited about the idea that this is actually really, you know, I don't know if you can call it being mainstream yet, but it's, it's growing. Becoming desirable. And, and happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Um, and then that viral thing um, happened and everybody went home, right? Uh, nobody's in the schools anymore. And we were still talking with all, uh, you know, the superintendents, principals and teachers we have been talking with. And they were like, well, we're just going to wait because even if we put this magical thing in place, you know, we're, we don't even know when we'll be able to use it. And so what happened, so, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm going, okay, VR has got to be useful at this moment in time and place. And somewhere around the March timeframe, I started getting, you know, so late March, I guess started getting contacted from teachers that I had been interacting with and principals I'd been interacting with. And they said, Okay, our kids already have Zoom fatigue. If their middle schoolers were able to keep them engaged for about seven minutes, less than that, or 17 minutes, less than that, it drops off exponentially. And the high school kids aren't so happy either. And I'm like, okay, okay, what are we going to do? And I've got a very good friend who's a head of school in Summerall, Mississippi. And he called me and asked me the same question. And he has a VR lab, but it's tethered headsets attached to computers and there wasn't any way to really send those out. And I said, look, the the Oculus quest mobile headset has gotten good enough. I think we can do a successful experiment here. Let's get headsets to each one of your eighth graders in your eighth grade class, get it to you, the teacher, I'll be the VR curator and we'll start holding school in VR and see if we can make this work. Wow. And and like I say, he's a good friend. And I've been working with him for years. And he said, I'm, I'm game. And so we created what I believe is the world's first VR school. school. And this was a turnaround and, like in a very short oh, amount of time. Yeah, weeks <laughs> at the most. Wow. Lots of days. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we just cooked it up. 
We looked at everything that was out there that we could potentially use. There wasn't anything we could create that fast. So we looked at all the third-party things that were out there. And what we really were thoughtful about was how will this work? How do we incorporate this into their class day, if you will, Mm -hmm. right? Because we knew we're not going to put them in VR for, you know, six hours straight. I would do it, but that wasn't the, that wasn't the plan. So um, we got headsets to the students. It was really neat. We filmed all this. So the parents drove up to the school. We had the headsets all pre-configured, had them sign off, handed them the headset. They drove back home. You know, um, our first day we had everybody fired up and walked them through the setup and everything. And then we had our first school day and it was really neat. We, we, the eighth graders at the school were in their astronomy section. And so we started holding class on a moon base. And when we were done with the normal materials that the teacher would normally use in the classroom, then we took them all outside on the moon. They were in spacesuits and they were able to create. Oh, that is so awesome. That so is crazy. Just I to, love it. to make uh, it clear for our listeners, what you're talking about is these students are at their own homes you're at your place. The teacher is at home at his place or yep. her place. They put on their virtual headsets and they all join together in this virtual space. And so they what they create their own avatar or something. And, yes. And so if I'm a, a student in the class, I'm there in a virtual classroom and I can see you and I can see all of my classmates in the same space. Unlike yes. a Zoom where you're seeing people uh, in t- right. two dimensions, right, in the little yeah. Hollywood squares, but yet they're interacting and then they have their little spacesuits on. So this is what they're seeing. They're seeing each other. They can see themselves. Well, you can see, you know, like... When you look I at mean, your I hand... Can't, I, can't, I can't see my own face, but I see my hands and my arms and my body, and they right. can see their hands and their arms. Like I mean, a- it was really funny to watch and, and I've, I've had this experience twice now because we just started working with another school piloting this and the first thing the students did when they got together twice now so there's something to this i don't know what it is when they saw their classmates they walked over to them because you can in this virtual space and they started playing paper scissors rock wow and yeah oh, that's twice so cool. now you've seen i don't that. know what this that's is interesting that's, That's interesting. Very interesting. That's interesting. Right? But they were so they wanted to see excited if they could do that, I guess. to be together mm-hmm. and, and being able mm-hmm. to interact with each other mm-hmm. again. Because when, when you're in this immersive world and you're an avatar and we're doing this, I mean, your brain just snaps over and goes, oh, good. I'm with Joe and Julie. This is great. Let's go. Um, yeah, why let's did we go, do that today? How come we're not doing spawn this a dinosaur? in virtual? You know, well, we, we could have had our happen. headsets yeah. and... Well, could we have needed, done this whole thing. In we virtual. need good audio, Julie. <laughs> well, this is true. This is a podcast. This is about quality audio. This is true. This okay, is true. Coming from the, that would have been so cool. Tech, yeah, it would have been. So I'm it curious. Cool. I am curious, though, about the being able to talk. So mm-hmm. you as the, uh, let's say, the teacher is able to talk to the students. Are the students able to talk to each other as well? Yes. So each one of the headsets has a microphone built in and speakers built in. Okay. So you are able to do exactly what we're doing right here. And um, we learned, you know, all kinds of things about classroom management in mm-hmm. VR. Mm-hmm. I mean, we made this wow. all up as, as that we is went a along. whole new 
branch. Right. That's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. How so, to manage a class in virtual reality. Right. So with, with me as the VR curator, I'm, I'm running the experience so the teacher is free to just teach. Doesn't have to worry about, you know, something coming up at the screen at the appropriate time and how to fumble around with that. And so what I would do was I could mute the microphones of the students when different things are happening and then unmute them. So we, as part of classroom management, right. when they wanted to speak to the teacher, they'd raise their hand, I'd unmute them, and they'd be able to talk. Right. And after a while, they got really, really great. These are eighth graders, and they would just mute and unmute themselves. They, so, they knew what to do and when. Yeah, they figured yes. it out by that time. Well, let me ask you yep. this. As a science teacher myself, you know, we used to a lot of hands-on type of things. Were, was the instruction... Did it involve any kind of hands, hands-on or was it lecture? You know, I am curious about that type of delivery. So in the environment that we were teaching in, it was a combination of lecture. We could run videos. So they were actually, well, for the astronomy class, they were on a moon base. Mm-hmm. And we had screens in the moon base. And then for the marine biology class, which we just finished up, we, we held that on the beach um, so we would make a screen appear um, on the beach and put the materials up there. But then we would go down into the water. And so we were like studying coral reefs. So we took the kids down into below the water, the water mm-hmm. and turned them into creators and had them create coral reefs, families of fishes. They had to be things that they learned from the video. Right. So, yes, mm-hmm. it was not and just hands-on. It was a different way of thinking hands-on. Yeah, it's sort of a different, really out-of-the-box thinking of yeah. what hands-on is. And virtual <laughs> hands-on. Is that yeah. an oxymoron? I don't know. Virtual hands-on. I like that. Yeah, it is. It's, kind of, <laughs> right. it's a juxtaposition, it right? Is. Vir- it is. Virtual sorry. hands-on. I like that. Virtual hands-on. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and it, I, I was just going to say, one thing that we'll be sure to do for our listeners is on our Facebook page, we will share the links to the videos, if you don't mind, that you sent Absolutely. me so that so that you can actually see what we're talking about mm-hmm. here. Because you did... I'm looking forward to that myself. The ones that I'd you like sent me, these were really cool. But you also, just to touch on this just for a second, you had a couple of really cool guest presenters for these <laughs> kids. Do you mind telling us real quick who you had? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, uh, the teacher and I, Adam and I, were sitting there going, "Okay, well, this is really cool. What, what, what can we do to enhance these students' experience even more?" And um, one of the VR labs that we've put in place was at um, Ole Miss, and so um, through connections, we got hold of the chancellor and said, "Would you like to come speak to an eighth grade class?" from your VR lab. And he's like, hmm, sure. <laughs> Never <laughs> been asked that, that before. Shaking his head no, but saying okay. <laughs> right? So so we got him to the VR lab at Ole Miss. I, I had folks there to, to work with him. I'd already preset everything, so I knew it was all going to work fine. Put him in the headset. He shows up in the moon base. The kids are in the moon base. We've got a screen in the back that shows his actual picture, who he is and who he's speaking. But the avatar, we were able to actually scan his face and the avatar looks almost exactly like wow. him. And he did, he thought when he, when he agreed to do this, he said, you know, I could talk for maybe 
10 minutes or so. We said, that'd be fantastic. Great. A half an hour later, I had to remind him that he had to go to another meeting <laughs> and needed to wrap this up. He was excited. He was, was enjoying it. That's great. Was, That's really great. Yeah. And, and the students were interacting with him so they could ask questions and he was speaking mm-hmm. and it, it was really, really That's fantastic. Exciting. He did such a great job. And so we had to figure out how, you know, let's take this up a notch. Who's next? Right. Who, who are we going to have come next? And it turns out that one of the board members of the school is really good friends with Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre. And so he reached out to Brett and said, we're doing this really cool thing with the safe grade class. Would you come and visit with them? Oh, wow. And so so um, I went to the friend's house with a Quest headset put Brett Favre in it, taught him how to utilize Mm -hmm. it just a little bit. So all he needed to do was be there, talk and all that sort of thing. And then on Wednesday morning, he shows up in the classroom and he's now talking and interacting. (laughs) That's awesome. That is so awesome. Well, it sounds like you're already next in ed. So from here to be so forward thinking and, and being on that cutting edge, what do you see is even further? Next. Yeah, where's it going to go from here? <laughs> what do you, right? What's the big vision after this? Well, you know, right now, yeah, what does after this even look like right, to right. any of us? Right. I don't think anybody knows right now, you know, in terms of life, the world, the universe, the and everything. Mm-hmm. Our goal, our goal right now is to make this VR school very programmatic. Um, we're currently talking with 10, 15 schools around the country right now that have learned about what we are piloting here in Mississippi and saying, okay, tell us what it takes to do this. So I'm actually going to have to create an army of VR curators. I'm not quite sure I'm going to do that yet. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's what entrepreneurs do. Mm-hmm. Um, so create an army of VR curators to help these teachers and students navigate this new virtual world. But what I think is really important is that we do it in such a way and in such a fashion that when we do go back to brick and mortar, all that moves back to the classroom. So now um, educators can utilize it in the classroom as well, mm-hmm. right? And take advantage of, of you know, all the wonderful elements of VR being in history instead of watching a video about history and being somewhere on the planet or the solar system. be interactive with it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And not to lose the things that we've learned during this time, but to how to integrate it when we go back to school and and continue and make it better. Yeah. And, And I think... I and I do have people talking to me. It's really interesting. I've got people talking to me also saying, "So couldn't we just create a VR school and mm-hmm. have students and instructors from all around the world participating?" And I'm like, "Well, why not? Yeah, I think why I'm not? Kind of doing that. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested, we could do that." Okay. Um, well, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So Vince, this has been an amazing conversation and. I'm just, the, the possibilities here are just it's so, mind-blowing, so really. exciting. <laughs> yeah. And what I would love to do, if you're open to it, is to have you come back at a later point in time so that we can just touch Follow base with this. you yeah. to see how things have, have gone from this point since we've talked and, and, and where you think th- about where how it's accelerated in just the last exactly. two months for you 
right. you know, what could happen in the next two, two to three months. I, I knew, and, and Julie and I talked about this in an early episode that we did right at the beginning of the pandemic. I knew there was going to be a lot of innovation during this time. I just didn't know what that was going to look like. And That's, I think you are a perfect example in, in what you have been able to do because you were in that position to be able to to, to have those resources and mm-hmm. to pull something together. I mean, this is this is probably the most cutting-edge thing that I, I know about right now in Same terms here. of technology Same and here. education. So this is what, what an honor to get to speak with it you is. today. And, and one of yes. the things I want to uh, point out, too, before we wrap it up, is that, Vince, you are an entrepreneur and an innovator that is contributing to education. So, it, you know, one of the things in our podcast is that we want to emphasize that this is not just for educators it's for everyone and to have someone like you on our on our podcast you know who is contributing so much to education is is just we just it it is an honor absolutely you you both are are very kind and and thank you for you know inviting me here and and letting me be part of this um i would love to come back and report a couple months from now i have no idea yeah that, that's the fun of it though that would be exactly. the fun part of it is to see what comes up next all right joe right well, I, I have people asking me all the time you know you got a plan for this i go nope i'm making it up every single day we'll see what tomorrow looks like that's, right? that's great exactly. well, okay thank you so much for listening and please join me and julie next time as we continue to explore what's what's next next in ed Ed. don't forget to subscribe if you like what you heard please rate and review this podcast so others can find us the next in ed podcast is brought to you by the mobile county public schools it department in partnership with the department of counseling and instructional sciences at the university of south alabama engineered by Tim VP Media Production. Music by Justin Matthews. Hosted by Dr. Joe Gaston and Julie Neidhart. Follow us on Twitter at NextInEd and on Facebook. Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only. They are not necessarily acting as official representatives for their schools, universities, organizations, or places of employment. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.